Get your Bibles open, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. We kicked off a series last week called The Return. And in chapter 1, we gave five keys or five signs of a healthy church. Amen? Five signs of a healthy church. Remember, we're talking about living in light of this, of the absolute certain return of our Lord and King Jesus Christ. And the focus is not on the day, the moment, the hour. We can all have theories about that. But the focus is on living in light of eternity and living with a sense of expectation uh, and excitement and urgency uh, as we live here on planet Earth. Amen. So last week was about the church corporately. But this morning, I want to talk to you personally, because how many of you know, no matter where we're at in our journey with Christ, I know some of you are brand new believers. Some of you have been around a while. You're, you're seasoned people in the faith. Uh, and then we got a bunch of folks in between. But how many of you know we all have the same goal, and that goal is to truly be a man or woman of God, to love God, to honor God, and how many of you know we've been apprehended for a reason, so God wants to do something through our lives. The other thing I'll remind you about is it really is true you only go around once on planet Earth this time prior to Christ's return. How many of you know we are going to go around again? It's called the second coming and the resurrection and living eternally. But here's my point. We only have a span of time. While we're here now. And is anybody besides me want to make the most of that? I, you know, we talked about the finish line as we, as we finished our last series. We're going to stand before the Lord Jesus Christ and give an account of our lives. How awesome is that? And it won't be this thing where you're going to get judged by Jesus. How many know if you're in Christ, he already took the judgment, so chill out. All right, we're not talking about judgment. Those that don't know Christ, there's a judgment to come, and nobody wants to be standing in that judgment. But those of us who know Christ... I mean, you know, this can be good news. It's like if you've been the awesome stellar employee and you're having a meeting with your boss for your performance review and you already know because you just got a raise that it's going to be a great meeting and your boss is going to tell you how wonderful you are. You with me? Some of you are going, no, I've never had one of those meetings. <laughs> I don't know if that's your boss or if that's you, all right? But I'm just trying to help you out here. This is going to be a performance review where Jesus is going to say, well done. And it's not going to be, you know, tis, tis, shame on you. But I mean, no, we, we, want, we want to finish well. Amen? And so listen today, because some people think when we're talking about what Paul said, well, Paul was one of those super apostles and I'm not, so therefore we discount it. That's not the way we need to think. Paul, Paul was a normal human being apprehended by God, full of the Holy Spirit, and he set an example for us. And how many of you know we need to, we need to look at that and say, God, I want to set an example just like that. Amen? I mean, you know, the sky's the limit. I'm trying to tell you, the sky's the limit. How much of the Lord do you want? How much of his presence do you want? How much of an impact do you want? Sky's the limit. So stop limiting yourself even now and begin to say, man, what could God do through my life um, if I would just fully surrender and really live uh, intentionally in the time that we have left? So open up your Bibles. Uh, again, First Thessalonians chapter 1. We're going to begin reading in verse 1. And I want to talk about this nasty subject because here it is in the Bible. I wish I could skip over it, but here it is. Spiritual leadership and suffering. He says here, you yourselves know, dear brothers and sisters, that our visit to you was not a failure. It wasn't ineffective. It wasn't fruitless. It wasn't in vain. But he says here, you know how badly we had been treated at Philippi just before we came to you and how much we suffered there. And look what he says, though. He says, yet our God gave us the courage, praise the Lord, gave us courage to declare his good news to you boldly in spite of great opposition. Paul's referring to an earlier trip, a time that was uh, met with great persecution. If you go to Acts chapter 17, that's where it talks about Paul's first trip to visit the Thessalonians. 
Paul and Silas were together. In fact, a mob uh, arose and tried to kill them. They had to escape under the cover of dark to get out of the city. Uh, and it's interesting because this was where we read in Acts 17, those people who have turned the world upside down have come here. I don't know about you guys, but I would like that testimony over us as living stones. Is it okay that I claim that? I would like when people think of Living Stones Church and the, and the loving congregation that we have here, that they would say, you know, those folks are loving, but they're serious. Those folks that turn the city upside down for Christ are here. Those folks that are bold in the public arena are here. Those folks that are openly sharing the gospel, they're in our town. Oh, my goodness. In other words, how many of you know the church should leave an impact wherever we go? God forbid, you know, we ask the question, it's a great question. If Living Stones would fold up today and go out of business, would anybody miss us? It's a great question, isn't it? I would hope to say, God forbid that that church goes out of business because of the great impact that we've had. It also says here, interesting enough, what was getting them in trouble in Acts chapter 17? What were they doing? Here was the problem. They said that they worship another king. His name is Jesus. How many of you know in this day and age, if you worship Jesus, you're going to come in conflict with every kind of idol and every kind of competing power that's out in our culture today? It, I hope you're seeing, as Eva warned us, that the persecution and the religious uh, attacks are growing every step of, of the every day. In fact, I don't know if you just noticed, but our president just gave his proclamation for Mother's Day and included men who think they're women in the proclamation. We are living in an incredibly dark and very perverted and confused time. If you stand for Jesus Christ, I promise you opposition. If you stand for Christ, I promise you pushback. But let me just tell you this. Paul rejoiced in this, and I want you to see why suffering is important. I know I was sharing with, with the folks this morning. You know, when you do topical messages, you can avoid the distasteful parts of the Bible. You know, we could just do a message on be happy and God loves you and everything's going to work out good. But you know what? As you read through the scriptures, what you see in almost every epistle is opposition and suffering and persecution. So guess what? We got to, we got to deliver the goods and tell you the way it is. In fact, I'll just say this. If you can go through this life without any opposition for your love and your faith and your boldness and your witness for Christ, I'm just telling you, you might be following a different Jesus. I'm just warning you. If it's a love boat for you 24-7 and your, your view of Christianity is just give everybody a hug and it'll all work out because God's on his throne. You know, how many of you know sometimes you can misapply scripture? And I believe God's on his throne. But that doesn't take away human responsibility to govern the planet and to address wickedness. Someone's got to open their mouth because you know what? Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father and he's looking for some voices down here. He's already given us his word. He's looking for some believers that will stand. And let me tell you why it's so important and why God does not avoid persecution. I believe a couple of things. First of all, I believe suffering sanctifies both the messenger and it solidifies the message. What do I mean by that? If you have never had any heat in your life and you've never gotten any opposition for your faith, People could say to you, well, you know what? Your faith's not that legit. Or they say this about people in the church all the time. You know, we get accused in churches of being full of hypocrisy. Church is full of a bunch of hypocrites. You know what purges all that hypocrisy? A little fire. 
Have you ever had a time in your life when you began to question, you know, why am I doing this? Let me just tell you, pastors ask these questions a time or two. Why, why am I doing this? There's got to be an easier way to make a living. Why am I putting up with this? Why am I, why am I preaching this? And here's what happens. What happens is after you cut through all the fog, all the hurt, all the disappointment, all the disillusionment, all the stuff we go through sometimes as human beings, what, what gets down is you boil everything down and you come right back to this. I love the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe with all my heart he is true. I want to live for him with all that I've got. And you know what? No matter what I go through, it really doesn't matter. He's what matters. And you get right back to the stake that you drove in the ground when you first said yes to Christ. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And here's what it does. It authenticates your message because here's what people say. You know, those apostles weren't running around getting the crud beat out of them and getting crucified and getting burned alive and getting thrown into the lion's den to get eaten by lions just for the fun of it. Maybe they really believe that it's true. (laughs) Maybe they really believe it. Do you believe it? Do you believe it in the face of adversity? Do you believe it in the face when maybe everybody thinks you're nuts for what you believe? You know, there's a lot of things that to me are just as plain as, as a nose on my face that people look at me today and say, you're nuts for believing that. That's why I hang out with other crazy people. You know, when you hang out with a group of insane people, everybody thinks they're normal. <laughs> That's why I'm grateful for you guys. Thank you for being that in my life. All right. Also, this is important. Persecution purifies our motives. You know, I heard this said about my mom and dad. People would come and they go to marriage class. They sit in our marriage class. You know, mom and dad have been doing marriage class for 30-plus years. And here's what they do. I remember when a new person came to our church, they, they sat there like most people do, and they just checked it out. Who are those people? Why are they here? Why are they listening to all this marital stuff that's going on? Why are they spending two hours every Sunday afternoon to listen to all this and to roll up their sleeves and to jump in the middle of this? Here's what they think. They must be getting paid big bucks for that. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. They must be getting paid big bucks for that. And then you find out they do that because they love Jesus and they love people. You hear what I'm saying? It purifies our motives. And the world is so sick and tired of finding Christians with impure motives for why we do what we do. How about this? If you got nothing out of the deal for loving Jesus, would you love Jesus? Would you follow Jesus? Would you live for Jesus? That's the question. That's why suffering is important. And I'm not, I'm not asking for suffering. Please, I hope America does not have to go through more misery. I hope God intervenes. I hope there's a great revival. How many of you are believing for a great spiritual awakening in America? I, I'm believing that. We need a move of God. And just what Sister Eva said, with, with the, the blood guiltiness piling up, our sins piling up. I am amazed. I am amazed that we still have it as good as we do. It's just the mercy of God. But we've got to be more pressing in to the heart of God for change, all right? So let's move on. Paul lays the foundation. He says, I'm back again. In spite of great persecution and opposition, I'm back again. And then Paul begins to model leadership for us. And he, he establishes a pattern, his own life as a pattern. Look with me at verses 3 through 6. Paul says this. He says, you, you can see we're not preaching with any deceit. There's no impure motives. There's no tricks. For we preach as messengers approved by God to be entrusted with the good news. 
Our purpose is to please God and not people. He alone examines the motives of our hearts. Never once did we try to win you with flattery. In other words, Paul said, I'm not going to tell you what you want to hear just to win you over. He says, and God is our witness that we were not pretending to be your friends just to get your money. As for human praise, we've never sought it from you or from anyone else. Jump down to verse 10. Paul says, you are our witnesses and so is God, that we were devout and honest and faultless toward all of you believers. Let's take a look at Paul's pattern here. First of all, let's look at his motives. Paul says, we're doing what we're doing, not out of any deceit or trickery. He says, our hearts are pure, no greed. We're honest, we're faultless, we're devout. I just want to say, because I'm speaking to all of us as brothers and sisters in Christ here this morning. When you give, for instance, tithes and offerings, I hope you know that when it comes to what we do with that money, it is absolutely the Lord's money, and how we steward it is like a sacred thing. Some of you know the world constantly judges the church that all we care about is their money. That the only reason we do this is for greed. Let me just encourage you. I hope you know that's not the case. I hope you know we're using the resources well here and we're an open book to any of you who are members here to look at that. We need to fight this thing and be able to demonstrate to the world, you know what, we're not doing what we're doing for any kind of flattery. We're not doing it to win you over. We're not tricking you. I hope you sense when you come here, there should be a spirit of authenticity transparency and realness when you come into the house of the Lord. Can anybody say amen? And I, and I hope, I hope you, you feel that. I hope you sense it. In fact, not just feel it. I hope you're a part of creating that. Because I'm not talking to you like we're separate. I'm talking to us like we're family. Amen? That when unbelievers would come and examine what's going on here, there's nothing to hide. Well, why are you doing what you're doing out of pure motive and love for Jesus Christ? That's why we're doing what we're doing. Why are we going to Russia? Why are we going to other places? Why are we planning royal schools? Why are we going to places like this? Because we love Jesus and we love the nations of the world and we want to see his, his will, his dream come true. Amen? So we have pure motives. But look at his ministry. Paul says, my ministry is approved and entrusted from God. And I want to encourage you guys this morning. How many of you are born again in this place? Wave at me. You, you love Jesus Christ. You're saved. We said last week, why are you saved? Because he called you. Why are you saved? He apprehended you. Why are you saved? He changed your wicked heart into a heart of flesh. How many of you have new appetite for, this, for the Lord and for his word and for obey, obeying God? That's a sign that you're born again. You didn't used to be that way. Nobody could have made you that way. You didn't self-improve. You had an encounter with God. Now let me ask you a second question. Does that matter to you? That God saved you. That God called you out of all the people on the planet. You're saved. Why? Here's a great question to ask. Why me? Have any of you ever asked that question? I've asked that question. I've laid in a puddle of tears on the floor, weeping before God out of humility and brokenness, realizing uh, that God apprehended me even at an early age. Why were you born in the family that you were born in? Why have you experienced, why are you in this church? Why are you listening to me right now? I'm telling you, your life is not an accident. Your life is being led and directed by a sovereign providential God who cares for you. And listen, who saved you because he has a calling and a purpose for your life. Here's the question though. Isn't that great? Yes, that's great. Does it matter to you? Because how you treat that is important. Listen, I was talking to, to somebody, that's, and there's lots of somebodies that deal with lust or who deal with pornography, who are believers. Listen to me. 
If you knew that lust or pornography was absolutely short-circuiting the call of God on your life, and you cared about the call, you cared about the blood of Jesus Christ shed shed for you, to save you and to set you free. And you cared about standing before God and being and being a man or woman entrusted with something. And you're going to stand before him. Would that change maybe the way you would live your life? You know, I talked to a man in my life group years ago over and over again. He'd come in, how are you doing this week? Oh, I said, did you get rid of your computer? No. Get rid of your computer! Don't you care that you can access that in the secrecy of your home and keep feeding the addiction and feeding the demon and feeding the bondage and feeding it and destroying your life and your family and your marriage and your future? Don't you care? Get rid of the computer. Do things to protect your destiny, your soul, your calling. This is serious. This is not the Lord's just going to turn his head and praise, praise me. I'm just blessing you. Grace, 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 grace. Grace changes us. Grace gives us new appetites. Grace causes us to look at the cross differently through tear-stained eyes and to say, I'm not going to crucify the Son of God afresh and anew so I can indulge my perversion. God, change me. Do you care about the call of God on your life? Then act like it. How many marriages destroyed? How many families destroyed? Because we loved other things more than we loved the fact that God chose us to bring us to himself and to call us to an amazing calling. I'm telling you, this is serious. Paul said this about his mission. He said, my mission is very simple. I want to please God. I'm not living for the praise of men. I'm not trying to flatter people to get people to like me. At the end of the day, I want to please one person. I mean, you know, it's really simple to live that way. If you try to please everybody, you're going to be a very frustrated person. This is why I love the gospel. I have one person to please. Jesus. Just one. We live before an audience of one. You know, when Paul came in, Paul wasn't sugarcoating things. Are you kidding me? Paul's running for his life in most places. He's not sugarcoating anything. But I, I, I love this. You know, when I when Sister Eve was up sharing, everybody is really listening to this dear woman of God. And you know why we're really listening? Because she's not talking theoretically, philosophically, theologically. She's talking because she's been in a death camp. She's lived in a nation that saw tyranny and injustice. She's had the smell of death on her. She's seen what goes on behind closed doors. And there's a sense of authenticity that brings authority into her life. And we listen to people like that. I don't know about you, but when people stand up and tell me the truth, even though I don't want to hear it, there's a sense of respect that I have for that person. I never will forget when my dad was so politically incorrect, he embarrassed me in public. I couldn't believe it. Imagine that from my dad. (laughs) We were at a mayor's prayer meeting. And you know, when you're in public with a public official, you need to behave yourself. (laughs) He didn't behave himself. 
the mayor was sharing, you know, he was venting about something and what was coming out of his heart was bitterness about something that happened in his past. And my dad messes up this nice religious prayer meeting where everybody's blessing everybody. And this is what he said. Mayor, the Holy Spirit's been speaking to me about that situation that you're still bitter and hurt and that you really need to let it go and let Jesus heal your heart because he's got some exciting future stuff for you, but you can't get to it if you keep holding on to the bitterness from the past. As soon as he said, the Holy Spirit said, I I brought my head, I'm like, we are in big doo-doo right now. (laughs) And the mayor jumped away from that right away. He wasn't going to touch that in public. And he said, you know, uh, maybe we can talk a little bit later about that and change the subject as quick as could be. And I left there thinking, oh, God. We are never getting invited back to this prayer meeting because my dad didn't obey and he was disobedient. But you know what? He did obey and he was very obedient. And the beautiful thing about him, he could care less what anybody sitting in that circle thought about what he had to say. All he cared about was obeying God. And you know what happened? Guess who the mayor called when the mayor had a problem? It wasn't to any of the other religious folks. It was to the dude that had enough guts to call him out publicly and to offer hope. Now, I'm a smart young man. And I'm growing up and I'm watching a lot of things. You know what? Dad, thank you for modeling so I could see it that it didn't matter what everybody else thought, that it really mattered what is God saying and how can I obey God? Because you know what? Courage is caught, not taught. And I am who I am today because I watched you and followed you and saw you and heard you and picked up your scripts and I'm trying my best to be bad like you. Y'all hear what I'm saying? Not caring about the crowd, but caring about an audience of one. You cannot be a man or woman of God if you care more about what people think than you care about what God thinks. I can't tell you how many interviews we did this last election cycle where I felt like I was a broken record. All I kept saying was, you know what? I cannot vote for a candidate who supports abortion on demand. I cannot vote for a candidate who will not understand that marriage is between a man and a woman. I cannot vote for a candidate who will rob me of my religious liberties. Well, where am I getting all this stuff from? Thus saith the Lord. That's where I'm getting this from. Thus saith the Lord. Do we care what God says? Do we care God's opinion? I'll tell you what, if you'll care what God thinks about things and you'll get that in your heart, it will give you a very clear sense of direction and there will be an authority that comes on your life to speak to situations that is awesome. All right, let me move on here. Let's talk about Paul the parent in the time that we have left. And I'm going to, I got to move quick. Paul the parent. Look in verse 7, Paul, and and I'll let you read the whole verse. I'm going to move fast. Paul likened himself to a mother feeding and caring for her own children. And then down in the next verse, uh, verses 11 and 12, he compares himself to a father. I treated you like a father treats his own children. 
We pleaded with you. We encouraged you. We urged you to live lives in a way that would that God would consider worthy. I want you to see this. Good leadership is both maternal and fraternal. It's motherly and fatherly. These are godly qualities. How many of you know sometimes you need somebody to hug you and encourage you and to, and to speak into your life, right? People that love you. Hey, we believe in you. Hey, no problem. We got you covered. Grace, grace, forgiveness, mercy, nurture. But how many of you know sometimes you need somebody that will challenge you and push you and encourage you? Come on, let's move on. Why are you still stuck here? Come on, we're, we've loved you. We're, we're going to stay with you. Don't have to question it, but let's go. And I'm grateful. Let me just say this. For every man in this place, your mama can only take you so far. And thank God for mamas, the most selfless people in the world. But if you grew up in a fatherless home, let me just tell you, you need the church of the Lord Jesus Christ because you need some men in your life to help you become a man of God. You need men in your life to call you to the next level. I shared yesterday on the baseball field, my son was getting called to the next level. He, 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 how many of you know when you got two outs and you're a base runner, you're running on contact, right? Contact, boom, you're running. No hesitation. Well, Johnny hesitated at second. He started to go back to the bag and then realized, oh, there's two outs. And that one little bit of hesitation caused the bang-bang play at the plate. He's tagged out. His coach was mentoring him after the play. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about. It wasn't, oh, come here, big guy. Pat on the bottom, here's, here's a Tootsie Roll. It, no, no, no. It was a six foot nine coach bending over to a four foot boy's body and giving him a nice earful. Johnny ran out to the shortstop and was doing this. It was great. It was great. Johnny didn't need mama. Wiping the tears. Johnny's learning that poor decisions can cost you in life. Who cares about baseball? Poor decisions cost you in life. But you know what? You're going to learn from this situation. And next time, you'll score. So I watched him. And you know what? His second game, he had a great game. I'm grateful for men of God who told me the truth when I didn't want to hear it. I'm grateful for my father who ratcheted me up a few times when I needed it. I'm grateful for men of God in this place that love enough to say, come on, how long are we going to deal with the same sin pattern that is absolutely destroying you and your family and your life? Stop it. Well, I'm going to leave and go to the church down the street. See ya. And you know what will happen? You'll never grow up. You'll never be what God called you to be because you don't have an appetite to grow. You can't hear the word of the Lord and you'll go on down where somebody will tickle your ears and tell you what you want to hear. But you'll never be who God called you to be because men need men to help them come forward. We need fathers and we need mothers. And thank God for every mother in this place. Thank God for every man that acts like a mother and says, I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to quit. Yes, I spoke hard to you, but I'm here for you. I care for you. I'm never going to give up on you. That's the balance between the pastoral and the apostolic. I'm going to love you, hug you, care for you, nurture you. And then I'm going to kick you in the rear end and cause you to be all that God called you to be. We got a job to do. That's the balance. Next point, Paul talks about spiritual leadership in the message, and I'm going to hit this quick. Two things happen when you preach the gospel. People are excited. People aren't. 
revival, riot. Yay, you're awesome. You're an idiot. I hate you. That, when you preach the gospel correctly, you don't get usually anything in between. It's one or the other. But the gospel was meant to do that. I mean, you know, the gospel polarizes because it, it, it has a, a plumb line. And you're either on one side or the other. You hear what I'm saying? It's a dividing line of truth. And Paul says some people received the word. They were so excited. uh, And God's word changed their lives. But then he goes on and talks about his enemies in verses 14 through 16. Who were persecuted. They were self-pleasing. They judged. They spoke evil. They attacked him. I don't have time to get into all that. But I want to end with this. Spiritual leadership, the prize in the fight. Look at verses 17 through 20. This is a great ending right here. Dear brothers and sisters, after we were separated from you for a little while, though Paul says parenthetically here, though our hearts never left you, we tried very hard to come back because of our intense longing to see you again. We wanted very much to come to you, and I, Paul, tried again and again, but Satan has prevented us. After all, what gives us hope and joy and What will be our proud reward and crown as we stand before our Lord Jesus Christ when he returns? What what is that going to be? He says, it is you. Yes, you are our pride and our joy. A couple of things. I mean, we have an adversary who really works hard against us. And he's real. We We need to know that we have an adversary. And he works hard. He works overtime against the gospel and against us. But how many of you know, when we stand before God someday... I know some people believe uh, we're going to walk on literal streets of gold. We'll literally have our crowns and we'll literally cast them before the Lord. And I don't have a problem with that belief, okay? Um, But I think Paul gives us an indication here that there's something even more precious than a gold crown full of jewels that we'll toss before the Lord as a sign of his worthiness. Imagine someday you're standing before Jesus. Of course, God's already uh, covered our sins. His wrath is not going to be poured out on us because of Christ. We talked about that a couple Sundays ago. I'm hidden in Christ. His righteousness is my righteousness. I'm standing before the Lord. I don't have to worry about the judgment of God or or Christ on my life. You with me? But we're going to be standing before him. And I always picture that day, what that will be like as we get called forward individually. How many of you know we don't get to come up together? You don't get to hold your mama's hand. You got to come up by yourself. And the Lord's going to look at me and... The Bible talks about rewards for the way that we lived our life. And what Paul says here is something pretty remarkable. And I picture it like this. I come up before Jesus, and I got this mixture of humility. Uh, I'm a little bit scared, I think, because I'm standing before the one whose eyes are like blazing fire. You all with me? It's like whenever somebody casually tells me they just saw an angel, I just go back to the Bible and say, I don't think you casually see an angel. Everybody in the Bible that saw an angel, they freaked out. Usually the first thing angels said was, don't be afraid. So when someone says, hey, yeah, I see angels. I see angels everywhere. I'm like, no, you don't. All right. Um, but anyway, I think there'll be a mixture of trembling and joy all kind of mixed together. And I think the Lord's going to say, stand up. And then we're going to hear this incredible cheer go up. And the Lord's going to turn me around and it's going to say, hey, let me show you your crown and your joy. And I believe this. I believe God will give us a glimpse into all the lives that were impacted over the course of our life. All the people, like check this out. You know, we had 
We had Ashley Rowe here this morning. Ashley's been over in Thailand. She's preaching the gospel. She's leading people from Thailand to the Lord. I never met those people before. Some of those people are going to go to other places. They're going to lead people to the Lord. And But here's the cool thing. I believe God's going to allow us in a moment's time to look out and see the faces of the people like dominoes that have been impacted through our lives. And Paul says, You're, you are my pride and my joy. You're, you're, the, you're what makes me happy. You're my treasure. You, not stuff, not money, gold, crowns, people, you, the relationships, your walk with God. If, if I was able to make some impact on your life for the gospel, some touch, and, and you're there with us forever now because of the people who have touched your life along the way, I think there's going to be a reckoning when we come around. There might be whole people groups. Can you imagine this, Pastor Dick? Planting this person, that person, going to that country, and the whole people group gets to know the Lord. And all of a sudden, there's a whole group of people. They all kind of look like, going, yeah, thank you. And all of a sudden, we get this supernatural connecting of the dots, and we go, no way. No way. That's how I picture. I did a funeral once where nobody showed up at the funeral except one of the kids who was saved. The family didn't even show up. They hated him. What a wasted life. It was a short funeral. Wasn't much to say. You don't want to stand before Jesus and he says, let me show you your crown and your joy. And you look out in an empty room. You hearing me? I believe better for all of you. Amen. I believe better for us. There is a ripple effect of our lives that's going to go out. See, I'm going to, I'm going to be one cheering for my dad and my mom saying, thank you. Thank you. But guess what? They're going to be cheering for people that went on before them. And there's going to be this long line of impact where we're standing on the shoulders of those who have gone before us and seeing the cumulative impact of the gospel that's going out. So when we go to Russia, it's it's like, why am I excited to go to Russia? I want to see these guys. Why? Because I love them. It's people. It's not Russia. It's not Mother Russia. I love Mother Russia, but I I love these guys. Why would we get on a plane and go halfway around the world to India or whatever? It's not because I love going to India. It's because the people that are waiting, little William Carey there with his diploma. I like that guy. He's something about him. Why are we here hanging out? I hope it's because this is your prize, your crown, your joy, the people, the relationships, the treasures. That's what Paul says he's living for. Keep people in the forefront of your ministry, all right? Live for people, not for stuff. Live for people. Love people. Touch people. Pray for people. Share the gospel with people. Invest in people because that's going to be your treasure. How many of you figured out people that are like gazillionaires, when they get to the end of their life, they ask them, what would you have done differently? And what do they all say? I wish I would have spent more time with my kids. I wish I would have spent more time focusing on relationships. They got all the money you could imagine, but they're lonely. Love people. Invest in people. Stand to your feet. I want to pray for you. I thought I would preach just a light, fluffy Mother's Day message for you all. <laughs> Y'all still love me? All right. <laughs> Remember, I'm asking because we're not supposed to care. But it's good to care about the body of Christ. And it's good to know, even though you can be intense... 
It's good and tense. I hope, I hope it stirred your heart today, the word of the Lord. All right. Father, thanks for our family. Thanks for the relationships. Thanks for unity. Thanks for love. Thanks for moms in the house today. God, thanks for the celebrations like today when we pause and we honor moms for all that they do. Lord, may there be some great celebrations, some great memories. I know some moms already received their reward and they're in heaven with you. So God, I thank you for the good memories for moms that have already got the prize, Lord, for the hope that we have to be reunited. Lord, I know even as in our own family, we celebrated in the, the news of a, of a child. Lord, I know there are folks in this room that are believing for that news as well. And God, I thank you that our joy is their joy and our burdens are also their burdens, Lord. So we thank you for supernatural answers to prayer and for conception and for moms that will be celebrating motherhood even this year, God. Thank you for miraculous answers to prayer. Thank you for spiritual moms who are loving and giving and impacting so many folks throughout the week, God. So we just thank you for that beautiful picture of motherhood, and God, we bless it today. We pray that you, again, use us this week. Let us touch many, many people. Use us for your glory, Lord. Bless Eva as she heads back home. Give her a safe flight today, and bless our dear friends, Mike and Teresa. God, may their time in the United States be rich and full. Continue to refresh them and bless them. And God, for everybody that worked so hard this weekend, setting the table for all the ladies and, and cleaning the table and everything else, decorating the table, God, everything that they did, just bless all of our family today, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you for all that was accomplished. We give you glory in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen.